Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hey guys, welcome back to your weekly dose of Dexter Dissection. Yes, it's Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you as always from the mobile studio that's in need of a bloody good wash, deep in the heart of rural, lovely, grey, wet, rural North Yorkshire, England. Welcome back. It's been a week and we've got a new episode to talk about. And uh, it's interesting how opinions are pretty divided out there on the state of things maybe not on the state of all aspects of the show but certainly one or two key aspects and uh, well it'll be no surprise for you to know that we're going to get into all that uh, this uh, this podcast the last seven days for me have um, have been fairly busy really uh, I've been busy at work uh, I've had my car MOT'd and um, oh the car is only about seven years what is it seven years old um it's done 153,000 miles which isn't helped by the fact that i do about 130 miles a day going to work <laughs> to and from work um so it does add up and it's it's taken its toll on the car so suffice it to say it failed its mot not in anything too major so but i did have a, a a bit of a bill at the end of it so uh, yeah perfect timing just before christmas and uh, another bill for the car as as long-term listeners will know i've had my share of uh, significant repairs on the car and uh, the 140 pounds i spent yesterday is nothing compared to what i have shelled out on this bloody thing uh new car next year though so um hopefully all change um in other news i've got a cold hovering so uh, if i sound nasal this week that's why it's not it's not properly come out yet i dare say it's um well it feels like it's it's progressing and taking more of a firm hold on my head so um apologies if uh, if i sound a bit sniffly this week but that's why just before we get into the new episode i did have a tweet i can't remember who it was from just just asking me what tv shows i'm especially enjoying at the moment now normally this would be something for uh, the gareth's waste of time podcast but as I, I've talked about before, it's on hiatus while Dexter's on. Uh, it will be back in January, all being well. Um, but just very briefly, shows I'm watching, obviously Dexter. Um, I'm also really into Homeland, enjoying that. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, I've I've done a bit of a marathon catching up with American Horror Story this week. It's into season two. Uh, it's a bloody grotty programme. It really is. It's the sort of show... Um, a, f- a friend on uh, Twitter, at uh, Revenant Things, uh, Joe, if you're listening, hi mate, uh, I play Call of Duty with him actually quite often, um, Joe described American Horror Story as TV vomit, which um, isn't far from the truth, it's a really unpleasant, sinister programme, but strangely addictive, um, it really isn't nice if, if, if you're not into horror stuff and sort of creepy, unpleasant, nasty people then you're probably better off not watching it um it's the sort of show that once i've watched it i feel kind of dirty and in need of a shower or you know maybe a dousing with a a, a bucket of cold water it's oh it's 
you might be thinking, why the hell are you watching it, Gareth? <laughs> Anyone who's into the show will know exactly what I mean. It's just strangely addictive. And it's it's attracted such a great thespian as Jessica Lang, uh, who's who's starring again this season, playing a different character. But yeah, so you know, there's a seal of approval there. James Cromwell has a prominent role this year. Um, so there you go. Uh, what else have I been watching? Fringe. I'm up to date with that. Uh, the Walking Dead. Yeah, Walking Dead's fantastic. It's really having a good season. I'm really enjoying it. It's it's not without its. Um, sort of more negative aspects but on the whole it's um it's a cracking ride i'm really enjoying it uh sons of anarchy that's nearly at the end of its current season um looking forward to january i think it's january when justified's back on uh, I'm, i really love that show timothy oliphant is fantastic in that um oh yeah and away from the drama i'm watching modern family as well just for a bit of light relief so there we are, that's what Gareth's watching at the moment. <laughs> right, let's um, dither no longer and, and get into some Dexter. Season 7, Episode 8, Argentina. Original air date, the 18th of November 2012. Written by Erica Lisanne Mitman and directed by Romeo Tyrone, who we all know as a former regular on Dexter as the director of photography or cinematographer for the first was it five seasons uh, and occasional director as well and he always does great work so um let's get stuck into this one here we go well as cheesy as it sounds this i think was an episode of as, as much about love as discovery to a great extent for Hannah, Dexter and Deborah especially while we have the continued slow burn of LaGuerta's discovery but the episode opens the morning after the night before it's a quiet scene Hannah making breakfast when Dexter comes in it's not terribly awkward but I did like the brief look that passed Dexter's face when Hannah referred to her how does she put it? I'm paraphrasing, but something like a special blend of ingredients from the garden for breakfast. Dexter's face. It was a, a, a bit of a, as we say in the UK, a bit of a squeaky bum moment. <laughs> but while they're still getting to know each other, they seem comfortable around each other, um, at ease. And through the episode, their relationship continues to grow quite quickly culminating in the symbolic moment of Dexter going to Hannah as he's talking about home, questioning what it is, that it can be somewhere we're accepted unconditionally. It was a symbolic moment, complemented by some terrific music from Daniel Licht. He really pulled out the stops for that final bit, and yeah, I really appreciated that. But how you feel about all this will depend on how much you buy into the Dexter-Hannah relationship, or maybe just simply how much you like Hannah's character. I'm not mad on Hannah, but I am enjoying the exploration of what she's becoming for Dexter. I'm over the kill table romp. Sorry, Travis, that's in the past. <laughs> but they're developing their relationship very plausibly for me, because we have to remember that both of them are damaged in their own ways neither opening themselves up easily but Dexter emphasizes how he can be totally open with her about who he is 
and we've pointed out that she doesn't recoil from it. This is what he's been looking for all this time, and as fans of Dexter, the character that is, don't we all want him to be happy? Do we really want him to be stuck with his darkness forever, feeling empty? Don't we all agree that we'd want him to end up fulfilled and as happy as he can be? Don't we? There are plenty of dissenters out there, not happy about how this is all unfolding, and you're all entitled to your opinions, of course. For quote-unquote normal people, we all know how love can spring up out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the last thing you need from me is an exploration of love <laughs> and what it is. And, well, this isn't Mills and Boone and I'm not um, uh, Barbara Cartland. <laughs> Let me back out of that little avenue before I go too far. But you know what I'm saying. Why is two people being drawn to each other and maybe falling in love such an issue just because this is a show about a serial killer that's a rhetorical question <laughs> but i i ask is it because we love dexter most as a confused troubled serial killer unable to conquer his need to keep killing bad guys and we want him to be like that forever or at least for the life of the show or maybe the problem's just hannah Maybe her, her oops, stuttering. <laughs> Maybe her character, or how it's been established so far, or just that we have the nagging feeling it won't end well, and she'll end up being a threat for Deb or the kids. Maybe some people just don't like Yvonne Strahovski, but I think we can all agree that we can see how Dex is drawn to Hannah, why he is, even if we don't all like him opening himself up like this and leaving himself so exposed. I think I think we can probably all agree also that it's unlikely to end well. And maybe that's why so many are against the Hannah thing, knowing Dexter's probably making a big mistake. The sinking feeling that it'll end badly. And it probably will. But Dexter's giving in to basic human emotions and they're overriding his killer instincts and the code. Love and lust are powerful things, aren't they? Like I said... Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But for me, there are plenty of valid possibilities as to how things will turn out. But in the meantime, I personally, I'm enjoying seeing what's happening to Dexter, how it's affecting Deborah, and don't worry, we'll get to Deb in a minute. But we've criticised the show before when we've had a season where his character journey has been less than satisfying. We talked in the past about how this is a show about a character and his personal journey. Some seasons we compare him at the beginning and end and think, well, what's he learned this year? How far has he come? I think few can argue that right now he's in the midst of a very new experience. And even if it doesn't work out with Hannah for whatever reason, he'll have learned something from this, learned that he's capable of so much more emotionally than he ever realised. And I, I mentioned about the show being about the character, and, and Scott Buck has, has referred to this as well, about how the show of Dexter is about this character and his journey. All that said, don't get me wrong, I'm not under any misconceptions that this will end well. Could end up bittersweet, though, with Dexter having experienced falling in love and realising he's capable of such a thing, which is massive for him. But then ultimately losing it. But if he does keep Hannah, even just for this season, 
it looks like it would be at the expense of his relationship with Deb. But my gut's telling me Dex and Hannah won't be sailing off into the sunset together at the end of season eight. I think we can put money on that. Let's turn to Deb now and her involvement this week. Obviously, Dexter had a major problem knowing his sister has issued a death warrant for his new girlfriend and we predicted last week that he'd end up saying no. He was back in Deb manipulation mode this week, successfully talking her down with clever use of half-truths, stopping short of his main reason, which would obviously come out later. I did enjoy Michael C. Hall reacting to another great scene from Jennifer Carpenter as Deb explained how hard it was for her to make that call to him. The conflict obvious on his face and the look that flashed on him when she mentioned Speltzer, Dexter knowing he himself had brought her to this place. But Deb wasn't about to let Hannah off the hook so easily. There was a very uncomfortable scene in the greenhouse and Hannah did well to stay cordial. But I did get the feeling that she herself was in manipulation mode, saying the right things to Deb, keeping it pleasant. Again though, do we know enough about her to judge when she's acting and when she's being genuine? However, what we do know is that Hannah doesn't want Deb on her case, so she's bound to want to say the right things. I'll just jump to the kids briefly because it leads into the next thing with Deb. It's been a long while since we saw Astro or Cody. Did you miss them? <laughs> Once we got there whining again, I thought, no, I haven't. <laughs> but they are a part of Dexter's life, whether we or he like it or not. And fair enough, kids do whine. <laughs> I know as well as anybody. But both Astor and Cody, to be fair to them, they have good reasons for being messed up. They're orphans, remember. Their mother being murdered in their own house, and now they're living with grandparents. It's got a mess with a child's head. And we see Astor's taken up smoking weed. And who can blame her, really? She needs a little release. It was ironic, Dexter having to give her the speech, but he came out with a good line that resonated with Deb, too. Dexter's right. Sometimes the things that seem like a good idea in the moment are the things you'll end up regretting later. Astor... I know how certain vices can be used to relieve stress. But sometimes those vices can cause more problems than the original stress. You can see the look on Deb's face, knowing the personal meaning behind Dexter's words, but perhaps they hold true for her too. Trying to get Dexter to kill Hannah may be not such a good idea. But for Astor and Cody... Many will no doubt be mad that they've returned, but you can see why the writers have done it. It gives Dexter more vulnerable spots for Isaac to exploit, if he decides to hurt someone Dexter cares about rather than maybe kill Dexter himself, or maybe hurt someone Dexter kills about, Dexter cares about, sorry, and then kill Dexter. We've knocked the show before for pretty much forgetting about Astor and Cody, so I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe these two just can't win. <laughs> And incidentally, it was nice to see Dexter spending some time with the kids, just hanging out on the beach. Made a nice change. Dexter had an interesting chat with Asta in this scene about neither of them feeling like they really belong anywhere. Dexter also mentioned how someone once told him who he was, meaning Harry, of course, and that at the time he took his word for it. But tellingly, he says if he'd taken the time to decide for himself, it would have turned out differently. Not might have turned out differently, he said it would. Like he knows Harry was wrong about him, and that maybe now, 
As he feels himself falling for Hannah, he's starting to understand more about his potential as a human being. The sequence was also to set up the opportunity for Hannah to find out about his family. Dexter's honest with her about his reasons, but I bet those of you dead against Hannah will have been thinking how this only creates potential for trouble from her, that she could do something to hurt or threaten the kids. But to be fair to her, she smiled very genuinely. She seemed genuinely happy for him to have a family, whereas she apparently has no one that we know of. But going back to Dexter's words to Asta about vices, they clearly set Deb thinking, and she backed down about Hannah, thanking Dexter for caring in a scene that tugged the heartstrings a little bit, knowing Dexter's primary motivation for wanting Deb to drop it. Thanks for caring, she said, but I do think protecting Deb was a secondary goal here. He's just got tunnel vision, hasn't he? And in a slightly sad moment, but telling nonetheless, he says how his family is all here under one roof at Deb's, but yet he's being pulled to go somewhere else. He can't stay away from Hannah, can he? Like it or not, guys, he's falling in love. And just an aside here, I'll get back to Deb, but Scott Reynolds mentioned on the Dexter Wrap-Up podcast that something very telling about Dexter's feelings for Hannah is the lack of voiceovers in his scenes with her. Normally, we know they use those to tell us what he's thinking, but in scenes with Hannah... We have none of those, and if you listen to those scenes, you can kind of spot those lines that he might have normally spoken in voiceover. It's indicative of how at ease he is with her, how he feels free to be open and honest, be himself. Again, something he's never had with anyone before. We should be happy for him, shouldn't we? Uh, I, I guess we all would if we all thought his choice of girlfriend was more appropriate, but then again, is there such a person? But the lack of voiceovers, keep an ear out next episode during their scenes together. It's it's an interesting point, and as we now know, it's deliberate by the writers. It's a nice touch there. But let's get back to Deb, and a very memorable scene at her beach house with Dexter. Of course, she found out about Dexter sleeping with Hannah, so, of course, she put all his earlier work to talk her down from wanting Hannah dead. She put that down to simply Dexter protecting his new girlfriend, i.e. Dexter putting Hannah before her, which has got to hurt. I mean, poor Deb. <laughs> How can she trust anything that comes out of his mouth anymore? She even wonders if Dexter cares about her. The one person who's been stable in her life all this time. Well, until recently. We, of course, we know Dexter does care about her, but he's putting his own needs first. I suppose... You could say that's a selfish characteristic of a psychopath, but here, I think it's just him being led by his feelings for Hannah. It's backfired, though, and what a scene it was for Jennifer Carpenter. They really are spoilt for choice this season about which clip to submit to the Emmys for a nomination. But also, some good work from Hall here, mostly reacting to Carpenter. I don't know, but I wouldn't blame Deb if she ended up having a nervous breakdown. Just think how her world's been turned upside down this season. In fact, I'd go so far as to say upside down is an understatement. It's been flipped, sliced, diced and <laughs> fried with onions and garlic and then fed to next door's dog. She seems to be falling apart and in despair. She even tries to talk Dexter out of seeing Hannah. It's so sad for her because of what they set up at the end of last season. 
I know most of us hated that turn, but you can see why they did it now. It raises the stakes for her and the psychological impact of what she's found out, but more what Dex is doing now with Hannah. It carries more weight, in my opinion, than if her reaction had been purely based on brother-sister feelings. Yes, yes, I did just say that. I still don't like them giving Deb these feelings, but I can see how they provide greater impact. I'm not asking your permission, Deb. So you don't care what it does to me? I don't want to hurt you. Well, guess what you did? You picked the one way that you could hurt me. Worse than you could ever fucking understand. You told me you accepted me being a killer. I feel like if you love me, you'll accept this. If I love you, if I love you, I went to the church that night that you killed Travis Marshall to tell you that I'm in love with you. You're in love with me? Oh, oh my God. Was. I don't even know if I fucking like you. Just, oh, forget it. It's emotional. When I watched it, I felt myself welling up a bit with Carpenter's performance there. So compelling and heartbreaking. Her delivery there, her body language, facial expressions, everything. Just terrific. Anyone who has doubted Jennifer Carpenter's acting ability should watch this scene. And there are some people on Twitter who, when I have been bigging her up and saying how good she is and how if she doesn't get an Emmy nomination, never mind an award this year, then there's something wrong. And, and they've sort of shut me down a little bit. And honestly, watch that scene, guys, and, and tell me if she doesn't deserve some recognition. Just brilliant. Dexter, of course, is dumbfounded by what Deb said to him, as you would be. He had no clue, no clue at all. And like a typical man, <laughs> didn't know what to say. But then again, what do you say to that bombshell? And she comes out with this fantastic line. You're a serial killer and I'm more fucked up than you are. <laughs> what a line, and so true. Dexter's accepted the hand he's been dealt. But this is all new to Deb and she's struggling to process it all. Plus, she keeps discovering new bombshells to cope with and all he can say is sorry before she tells him to leave. It's not looking likely that they can ever be the same again. Well, let's turn our attention to Isaac this week because there was some good stuff there. His story took a turn and there were two really great scenes. He's been turned on by George, who's obviously had enough of Isaac taking risks, risking their operations uh, for his personal vendetta against Dexter. George fearing the total wrath of the police if they end up taking out another one of, uh, of their own, another member of the police force. And George got approval from the Brotherhood to take Isaac out. And that led us uh, to, um, or led to us getting a Dexter kill albeit not a conventional one, but it was nicely handled, and I liked how Isaac allowed the police to come in and investigate, not least because it gave us a fun scene. Dexter examining the body that he'd put there, <laughs> theorising about what had happened, while Isaac sat there on his sofa making little comments, all 
cool and calm, despite knowing this dead man had been sent to kill him. Isaac also, knowing it was probably Dexter who killed the man, it, it created a really fun dynamic. Actually, something struck me when Isaac and his henchman, Jörg is it, when they were talking about Isaac being stuck and likely to run out of money. Most people would be enraged at being turned on like this and turn the air blue, but what does Isaac say? Bloody hell. Yep, bloody hell. <laughs> He's so cool. I'm loving Isaac, actually, and I... I only love him more after the scene in the gay bar with Dexter. That was a wonderfully acted scene by both Hall and Stevenson, who really matched Hall in the acting stakes with great subtlety and nuance. Of course, we knew Isaac was probably gay already, but this was a surprise for Dexter. And it was an enthralling conversation, very cordial. And Isaac was right, perhaps under different circumstances they could have been friends. I really do like how this episode they devoted substantial time to two key conversations, both brilliantly staged, produced and really well acted. I do feel sometimes that scenes with juicy conversations are cut short a little bit, leaving me wishing we'd had more. Like earlier in the season, I'd have loved more extensive Deb and Dexter one-to-ones. But here, I loved how Isaac and Dexter were pretty open with each other, Isaac especially laying himself quite bare and giving Dexter some food for thought about love, leading him to the gesture at the end of the episode. Just great stuff. Anyone down on this episode because of Hannah should watch this scene again and get a reminder of, of how good this show can be when it takes the time. Did you kill all these people? I did. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Are you a serial killer? Yes. Elsewhere in the episode, I felt a little bit sorry for Quinn this week. He does seem genuinely taken with Nadia, but he just can't get away from the Brotherhood. And George has him by the short and curlies, working for them again, this time through blackmail. I know Quinn's been a bit naughty at times, he's a dirty old dog, he accepted the bribe, or I, he accepted the bribe under duress uh, for the sake of Nadia. So you could argue it's a situation of his own making, and you could argue he shouldn't have got involved with the witness again. <laughs> um, he nearly lost his job about it last year. In fact, that's not been mentioned again, is it, about him going to... Uh, was he being booked in on rehab or, or, or something along those lines? I can't remember. Batista challenged him about, about it in the opening episode this year. But um, that seems to have been a little storyline that's been dropped. You'd have expected Batista to uh, have been badgering him about that one. But what happened with Quinn and the blackmail? You could argue the blackmail was a cheap ploy, but there we are. The scene with him and George. And I should perhaps give a little credit to Jason Gedrick because I've not been bothered about his performance so far and I've mentioned him once or twice and to be fair to him he's not really had loads to work with but I do think he's portraying George suitably because he comes across as a bit of a, um, a, a oh, is it fair to call him sleazy a sleazy sort of guy who I don't know he just needs a good thump <laughs> but Quinn's left thinking how the hell do I get out of this uh, Batista, well, not much to say there. He's bought his restaurant. 
Yeah, OK. <laughs> Not much we can say about that. But LaGuerta, continuing her investigation. We mentioned her list last week that we saw a stop at Dexter's name. And I think she's been going through those in the departments who owned a boat at the time of the butcher investigation. And she probably stopped at Dexter's name. As I suspect, it, it suddenly rang a bell with her. Perhaps she remembered the animosity between Dokes and Dexter back in season two. And maybe now thinking there's no smoke without fire. But she identified this week that Dexter had a boat in the marina that Lundy singled out using Masuka's algae evidence, if you remember. She now also knows that Dexter moved his boat around the same time. It just adds a little weight to what seems to be growing suspicion for Dexter. But it's, it's early days at the moment and purely circumstantial. But I find it all intriguing, though. A slow burn for now, but I'm sure we'll play a far bigger part later. So, let's close out the review, but take a quick look at the episode's conclusion. And I did touch on this at the beginning of my review. I did love the nice touch of Isaac playing Victor's last voicemail message over and over. It demonstrates, quite touchingly, how much Victor meant to him, as if it needed emphasising after Stevenson's delivery in the bar scene, and how that was so convincing. It reminded me of a bit in Breaking Bad... No spoilers for that, but anyone who's seen it should know what I mean. We saw Asta and Deb sharing a joint. My wife said, oh, Deb would never do that, she's a cop. And that's true, but the poor girl's so screwed up right about now, I think we can forgive her. She needs a release. And there's Dexter's voiceover about what home is, uh, being somewhere we feel most comfortable and accepted. We see him going back to Hannah. And whether you like her or not, this is how Dexter's feeling right now. He needs to feel accepted. Always has done. And in Hannah, he's found that. OK, he could be making the biggest mistake of his life. Time will tell. But that's with our TV viewers' knowledge of how TV drama operates. For Dexter, he's seeking the things that he needs. Because we can finally be who we are. And there, he said it. I understand where he's coming from, and that moment was a wonderful poetic finish to a great episode. A lot more exposition than most extra episodes, I think you'll agree, but I have no problem with that when some of the scenes were as good as they were. I've talked Hannah and Dexter to death already today, and we'll cover them again, I'm sure, in your feedback. But this is the end of the middle act of the season. I feel things are about to start ramping up as we enter the closing stages of the season. Everything nicely poised for nearly all the characters. I say nearly all. And it's great, especially because I just don't know how the season's going to end. There are so many possibilities, and credit to the writers for making it so. Last year, there was only one way the Doomsday Killer story would finish. This year, I don't know what's going to happen with Hannah... I assume Isaac will end up dead, but I don't know for sure. It's a great place for us to be as viewers. Bring it on. Listener feedback. All right, let's go through your feedback for this latest episode. We've got a nice bumper crop again, as, as seems to be the norm, which is great. I thank each and every one of you. Uh, first, let's go through a few Facebook comments. Uh, Bob DeGrand from the DexterCast is less on board after this last episode. And he says, I always find Cody and Asta annoying, and they're back. I'd hoped that the Deb loves Dexter thing was just a plot device to make Deb feel even worse when she discovered Dexter's secret, but now that's back as well. 
I don't have a moral issue with it, though, although there is more Quinn than I would like. Bob also says he loves Isaac and his scenes with Dex. He also likes LaGuerta's investigation, and Bob agrees with me, giving the writers credit for setting things up so that there are an awful lot of ways this season could end. Elsewhere on the Facebook page, Don Matthews ranks this season as the fourth best season after one, two and four. Scott Singleton simply calls this season fantastic, while Jacob Newman likes the way things are going, saying he'd have been dumbfounded like Dexter when Deb dropped her bombshell. He also predicts that Hannah's going to kill Isaac. Mark Baldin doesn't have a big issue with any of the plot lines, but he's loving the Deb-Dex interactions this season and feels that, apart from Dexter, no one is safe. He predicts Isaac will target someone Dexter cares about. Michael Lieber said that with Dexter talking to Isaac about love, he feels he's discovered the point of the Quinn story, love permeating everyone's actions in this episode. Meanwhile, Marcus Taylor has a prediction, and it's this. LaGuerta breaks into Dexter's apartment and finds proof of Dexter's guilt. Isaac walks in and kills her. Quinn walks in and kills Isaac. This leads to an investigation into so many people dying in Dexter's apartment, which he foreshadowed with his comment to Hannah. Interesting prediction, Marcus. Could Dexter's apartment become a house of death? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Right, on to emails. Nick Henderson. Tonight's episode really nailed it home for me. I couldn't be more enthusiastic about the final act of the season. The second act was a bit slower, and a lot of controversy has obviously surrounded the introduction of Hannah McKay. After tonight's episode, I feel like all of the pieces are starting to fall into place, and I would even go as far to say that I am now on board with the Deb Dexter love plotline. Yes, Travis, I'm sorry. Of course, this is primarily thanks to the wonderful performance from both Michael and Jennifer this week. They nailed the scene in which Deb confesses to Dexter and made it both believable and incredibly personal at the same time. Brilliant. It was great to see the return of Aster and Cody. I'm pretty sure they will ultimately serve as motivation for Hannah to become the big bad of the season. You could tell from her reaction that the kids triggered some kind of need in her that will ultimately lead her to do some terrible things in order to acquire the life that she'd always wanted. I also found her scenes with Dexter this week were much more believable than weeks past. I'm finally starting to understand her purpose in the grand scheme of the show. She may not be the most popular character, but if the writers can use her to make Dexter and Deb's complex relationship even more relatable, then I'm all for it. Dexter's cat-and-mouse game with Isaac was a lot of fun to watch as well. I love the scene at Isaac's apartment with the dead hitman. Every time the two are on screen together, the show shines. I absolutely love the scene in the gay bar. The discussion was incredibly personal and the delivery was spot on. This marks the first time in the series that I felt torn about whether a big bad deserved Dexter's table. Of course, it has to happen eventually, and now that the Brotherhood has turned their back on Isaac, Dexter is free to take him out without worrying about retaliation. It will be awesome to see how it all plays out, and I'm thrilled to see the final act and how it will play out. Lastly, I just want to say that I never really bought the statements from the writers about Dexter having deep, secluded feelings for Deb. They like to reference the line in the pilot which, in which Dexter stated, if I could have feelings for anyone, it would have, I would have them for Deb. With that said, I think I might finally understand. After Jennifer's performance in tonight's episode, I feel like the show is starting to come full circle. That is not to say that I think Dexter and Deb will ever really be together, 
but I think I can see an ending in which their relationship transcends brother and sister. The writers have effectively flipped my expectations, and I'm thrilled to find out if they can deliver a satisfying conclusion. We still have another season and a half to go, but for now, I'm going to trust the show. Thanks very much, Nick. Always good comments. You might end up being right about Deb and Dex. I'd hate to think that this current wedge between them now is a permanent fixture. That'd be such a tragedy, but with over a season still to go, there's plenty of time for bridges to be built. And I agree with you, I never really bought the statements from the writers about Dexter having some dark feelings for Deborah. <laughs> I think he's, he's always just thought of her as his sister, and he's been protective of her, he loves her, but he's, he's not in love with her, is he? But I like your prediction there, that their relationship could evolve into something that transcends a normal sibling relationship, but stops short of a sexual one. That might not be such a bad thing. You made an interesting suggestion about Isaac, that you're torn about whether he deserves the kill table. He does fit the code, that's for sure, but then Dexter's let personal feelings or emotions get in the way of a kill before, and we know that never ends well. Some of you will now be thinking Hannah is just such a person, although it remains to be seen how that turns out. You were pleased that the kids are back. They had long been forgotten, but I'm not sure Hannah showed any hint of darkness when she found out about them. But then again, how good an actress is Hannah? <laughs> we don't really know yet, do we? Saludos amigos, bienvenido a beautiful and exotic Argentina, home to incompetent hitman and Yvonne Strahovski's two front teeth. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. There isn't a whole lot to report on this episode, but take a tour with me, won't you? See the sights, hear the sounds, smell the bullshit. Need to pad out the running time of your episode? Why not call in the absentee stepkids from the sun-kissed sands of Orlando, Florida? An emergency text message is all the explanation you'll need. Sure, you may have thought you wanted them to return, if only for continuity's sake, but when they serve absolutely no purpose to the plot of the episode and become just awkward and completely unlikable, it will make you wonder why you ever cared for them in the first place. And who needs to house or feed or even spend time with your children when you have the beautiful Jamie Batista to be your indentured servant? She'll do anything you ask her to. Laundry? Not a problem. Road trips with your bratty kids? Yes, please. Buying groceries for your sister? She can't get enough. Don't even worry about paying her since she'd never have enough time to spend the vast sums of money she's owed anyway. Having Jamie Batista in your life is the only way you can write off all your domestic problems and make room for the ridiculous drama that fills your life. Fall in love with the stunning Hannah McKay. Who wants pesky things like personality or any semblance of charisma when she looks as good as she does? Her key features include standing in a greenhouse at all hours of the day, stating the obvious, wearing a very dark bra with a very light top, crocodile tears, and sitting on Dexter's dick literally every time he sees her. Now that's what I call true love. Speaking of Hannah, why not visit the windswept valleys of Dexter Morgan's likability? It surely can be argued that of all of Dexter's lovers he's had, she's the most compatible, the most correct for him. But at what cost does this revelation come? It should be mentioned once more that Dexter seeking acceptance yet again isn't something that was needed in a season with the wealth of other interesting things happening. But more important than that, Dexter Morgan has become completely unlikable. Not in the same way that Tony Soprano or Walter White becomes unlikable and you still root for them. 
With Dexter, there was nothing to care about anymore. We originally cared for Dexter because, despite his being a murderer, he cared for his sister and kids and friends and co-workers. He longed to fit in with them, be content. He felt like an outsider, which is something anyone who was a teenager once can relate to. Now he doesn't even bother to fake smiles for his co-workers. He pawns his children off on his nanny and sister, and you couldn't care one bit less about hurting his sister's feelings. He learns nothing from the past when he says he wants to be with the murderous Hannah and yet still have his wonderful quote-unquote family. The lesson of season 4 was that Dexter could not have it all, but he'll be damned if he remembers that. He's been selfish in the past, but he's always had something that keeps you wanting the best for him. Now there's nothing there that makes him relatable to the audience anymore, unless this particular audience only cares for their own self-interest. But don't cry for me, Argentina. This episode isn't a complete waste. Take a peek at some of the brighter locales our lovely motherland has to offer. Spend a quiet evening at a quaint local gay bar with Miami transplant Isaac Circo. Isaac still makes for an interesting and compelling villain. Easily, he's currently the best part of the season. Him going from leader of a crime syndicate to a wanted man in a matter of minutes simply over a phone call was a little ridiculous, but if it makes him more desperate to kill Dexter, or anyone he cares about, hint hint, Hannah, then we should all give him a pass on this one. Visit the sunny shores of Deborah Morgan's beachfront home. Deb's love confession seen to Dexter was truly a sight to marvel at. Jennifer Carpenter is consistently great on the show, and by all rights deserves an Emmy for her performance in this scene. Deb truly does speak for the portion of the audience that is saying, Dexter, what the fuck are you thinking with Hannah? Did you ever imagine that you'd prefer it if Deb and Dexter hooked up over Dexter and Hannah? I know I didn't. At least with Deb, the familiarity and intimacy would be earned. Don't hold your breath with that happening anytime soon, though. And don't forget to stop by and see Maria LaGuerta at a dock in the bay in a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment of Bay Harbor Butcher investigating. Of course, any evidence she's gathering on Dexter is purely circumstantial and truly meaningless. After all, it is not a crime to switch marinas. But hey, Rome wasn't built in a day. She's out there, trying her best. That's all we can ask. So thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed your visit to beautiful Argentina. Somebody should enjoy it, after all. Remember what the natives say. A lo mejor, los pescados te encuentran. Speechless. Let's go to an email now from Mr. S. Claus, who asks... <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously, Travis, you've outdone yourself. This is the third time I've listened to your voicemail, and it still makes me chuckle. <laughs> I know you were being deliberately tongue-in-cheek and irreverent, but you do have some serious points to make. Not least, questioning whether Dexter has become unlikable. I mean... He's always had tendencies to be selfish and uh, deceitful, uh, manipulative. He's had to be, hasn't he, to stay undetected, and over the years we've accepted that. We've talked a lot on here about his questionable parenting, but then again, your own parenting skills or lack of can often depend on the parenting that you yourself received. And to be fair, Harry certainly seemed to give Dexter a lot of attention, regardless of his motives. But then, Harry wasn't trying to hide his own dark passenger, like Dexter has. So maybe that's a red herring, but is Dexter unlikable now? I don't know. I, I suppose we could think less of him for continuing to palm Harrison off, and him wading into a very open and surprisingly honest relationship with Hannah. I've actually talked at length today with Travis online about all this before I recorded and the bottom line for me is that Dexter is quite possibly making a mistake but he's experiencing a very normal human emotion and attraction and he's blinded by it 
It's the first time he's experienced this, and it's arguably clouded his judgment—the judgment that's previously kept him safe. Love, let's face it, it does make us do crazy things, things that are out of character, things that are sometimes maybe at the expense of our relationships with others, not least family, self-serving things. So. Dexter's not so unusual in that respect, and let's say again, he's always had a yearning to be able to be himself with someone, to be free of the deceit, to stop hiding, be accepted for who he truly is. And at the moment, with Hannah, it seems he's found that person. As I've said, and will probably say again, I can understand Dexter's mindset here. It's questionable judgment, yes, but it's plausible to me, and I'm happy to see how it plays out. Thanks again, Travis. Great stuff. Danielle in Australia emailed to say, "I'm going to stick to my original feelings about the Deb Dex love thing. I just don't like it. I wish it had been swept under the carpet. I feel it's a superfluous storyline, and the brother-sister relationship is more than adequate. Personally, I never got the feeling from any other season that Deb was in love with Dexter. Now it seems she's beginning to dislike him, partly for who he is and how he makes her feel about herself. This season has really challenged Deborah's beliefs and has turned her world upside down. I think she will continue to face situations that she would never have dreamed of, situations that conflict with her strong conviction of what is right and wrong. This is a great season for her. Thanks, Danielle. Uh, Danielle also wrote about how she thinks Laguerta will survive into next season, how her investigation might be setting the theme for season eight, where Dexter's world unravels and he's running for his life. Now, Danielle, um, Deb, I think she did sort of apologise for saying for saying that about not even liking Dexter. She sort of took it back, didn't she? I can't remember what exact word she used now. She's just in such a state at the moment. She probably doesn't know what to think or feel. She had always been so black and white up until the end of season five, when she empathised with Lumen and let her and her accomplice go. Of course, she now knows it was Dexter. As far as Deb being in love with Dexter, I still think it wasn't necessary to help her accept Dexter as a serial killer. They were always close enough. It does, however, give her reason to be jealous. That Dexter's now sleeping with someone else, or at least mad that he's chosen someone like Hannah, who Deb knows is a killer and will probably go on to kill again. And I'm sure Deb's frightened that Hannah's next kill could be Dexter. But yes, I agree—a great season for Deb, without a doubt. And I think I agree with you about Laguerta that her storyline will continue into next year. They'd have to have something pretty big in store for next year if they're planning on wrapping up the Bay Harbor Butcher. Isaac, Quinn, and Batista thing this year. There's too much going on, so something has to roll over, surely. And why not Laguerta's investigation? But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if there there is something big up the writers' sleeves for next year that we haven't thought of yet. Thanks, Danielle. Another email now. At this time, Sandy in Seattle says, "I was disappointed in the Deb loves Dexter storyline last season, but I didn't mind Deb bringing up her feelings for Dexter this week." It seemed right, I guess, and it's not like she was ready to run off with him. It's clear her feelings have changed, or she's at least very confused. And she admitted it's weird and gross, and I had to wonder if that was for the fans. 
But I just love all of their scenes together this season, so tense and emotional. Kudos to Jennifer Carpenter, she's great at those breakdowns. I'm not totally digging Dexter with Hannah, though. I'm all for him finding someone, though I don't know who. But I don't think she's good for him, ultimately. Maybe she'll go after Deb, and Dex will be forced to kill her after all. Thanks, Sandy. Weird and gross indeed. I think that might have been a nod to those of us those of us anti-Deb loving Dexter like that. But also, it's Deb's rational mind, realising how it's not entirely normal to feel this way. And you're another who's not a fan of Hannah. I'm not sure there's anyone who's 100% behind her and believes that she'll end up being good news for Dexter, but, but who knows, maybe she is the one for him, and she'll go out protecting him, making some kind of sacrifice. Or maybe simply that Isaac will get to her and kill her to hurt Dexter, like he was hurt by Victor's death. Actually, to be honest, the idea that Hannah could sacrifice herself to protect Dexter was something Travis suggested earlier today when I was chatting to him. So I can't take credit for that. <laughs> but thanks again, Sandy. Barbara in New York says, Ding, 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 we have a winner. No, I'm not talking about Dexter. I'm actually referring to last week's fox hunt. A damn fox hunt right outside the mobile studio of Gareth Watkins. I've always loved the sounds of the studio. Rain, wind, helicopters, squirrels dashing over the car. But this was the most highly unexpected and delightful treat of all. This is one of the reasons why Dissecting Dexter is the greatest podcast out there. Thanks, Barbara. Praise indeed. <laughs> I do try to leave in the little interruptions that I get while recording. I think it adds a bit of um, a bit of realism and, and unprofessionalism that's um, appropriate. <laughs> appropriate to me, perhaps. <laughs> um, I didn't realise when I recorded, but the dogs last week, uh, when I got back inside, colleagues told me that the dogs charged through only a short while after a fox had charged through. So they were obviously on the scent. Uh, now, the fox will have obviously dashed through very quietly, so um, my attention wasn't drawn to it, but it probably ran past within a couple of metres of me, which is a bit frustrating, because I love to see foxes, just beautiful animals. But apparently, luckily for the fox, the dogs went off in a different direction, so hopefully the fox is OK. Um, now, obviously, hunting is uh, a controversial issue, uh, and I don't want to get all political on the podcast because we're here to talk about Dexter, so I'll, I'll leave the subject there. But, Barbara, I I'm glad you enjoyed the sound of the dogs, and um, they, they were pretty noisy. And if you listen closely, you can hear a small bang <laughs> as one of them bumps the car. Little sod. <laughs> Actually, not so little. They were bloody huge, these dogs. Hey, Gareth. It's Casper from Denmark. Uh, just a couple of thoughts on the latest episode of Dexter uh, called Argentina. Um, I think it was an okay episode, a, b a bit slow episode for me. I mean, uh, I'm still not quite on board with the Hannah and Dexter story. Uh, I still think we have seen it uh, before with the Lumen and um, and Layla, so um, yeah, not quite there. I mean, I think uh, the actor who plays uh, Hannah is doing a great job, and uh, well, I'm not I'm not uh, a big fan of the story yet. Um, I must say, uh, trying to adapt. 
uh, from the the first four episodes were who were excellent and uh, the pacing was was better than now. Uh, beside that, I think there was some great scenes with uh, Dexter and uh, and uh, Isaac, um, and of course some fantastic uh, performances by uh, Deborah. Uh, I mean uh, <coughs> Jennifer Carpenter. I mean, uh, I think she can start writing her speech for the Emmys. I mean, uh, very very good acting. Uh, what she had done the whole season. I mean, uh, she's uh, almost outacting uh, Michael C. Hall. I mean, very, very good. Um, other than that, I mean, uh, I like the the LaGuardia story slowly building up uh, that she's uh, interested in, in what Dexter's role uh, is in uh, the Bay Harbor Butcher case. Um, and uh, I got an idea maybe you could call this prediction what about uh, we know that Quinn in in season 5 was very suspicious about Dexter and we saw him kind of suspicious in the latest episode uh, Chemistry where he um, where he definitely saw uh, some s- strangeness uh, in, in, in Dexter. I think he maybe caught him in a lie where he, he, he about the guy who uh, who died in, in Dexter's apartment. So my prediction, or you can maybe, uh, maybe it's a wish, I don't know, but from my side, but uh, maybe LaGuardia uh, starts... Uh, Asking uh, Quinn about Dexter. Uh, I mean, maybe she she could say to him, uh, "What what is it about Dexter that made you suspicious of him?" Because when he was suspicious in in uh, season five, he went straight to uh, Laguerre. So maybe I don't know. It, that could be interesting. I mean, I'm very interested in. In in that part of of uh, of the season, uh, I mean, like uh, like you say, and like uh, the most uh, of the, the the writers say, I mean, Dexter is most interesting when he's in jeopardy, and I don't think he is that right now. I mean, of course, the Laguerta story uh, line will develop maybe, but I mean, I'm I'm not. I don't think he's in jeopardy. I mean. Deborah is not uh, gonna uh, blow his cover, and and I mean I I'm, I don't think Isaac is is just a uh, just such a big um, a big uh, problem for him from him from him anymore. I mean he's he's been cut out of of the uh, the the Casca Brotherhood, so I don't think he he's he's in danger yet. But uh, I'll hope it will be later in the season because that's where Dexter is best so thank you for uh, the podcasting and uh, talk to you later bye thanks Casper nice to hear from you again I I'm sorry but I, I do have to disagree with you that we've seen all this before with Lumen and Lila the situations there and I think I probably went through 
the previous women in Dexter's life that we've seen. I, I think I went through them last week. The situations with those two were very different to what Dexter's going through with Hannah. The writers on the wrap-up podcast confirmed our thoughts that this is the first time Dexter's fallen in love or been about to fall in love. I mean, we've been over how Hannah might not be the best choice, but then again, who would be the ideal person for him to be with like that if he had to be with anybody? Could it be Deb? <laughs> not like that, I'd hope. <laughs> but he could be himself with her. She can't fully empathise with him. But she could accept him and help protect him. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> it's not It's not that I want it to happen, so don't get me wrong. But I'm just, just throwing it out there. And you make a valid prediction, Casper, for Quinn helping LaGuerta, although his testimony could be totally discredited if it comes out that he's being bribed by the Brotherhood. As for Isaac, you don't think he's as much of a threat now that he's been shunned by the Brotherhood. And in maybe one regard, that could be true, insofar as he doesn't have the Brotherhood's backing now, so that if Dex did take him out, he's not going to have to fear the Brotherhood coming after him. But I suggest that Isaac could be more dangerous now that he's got little left to lose, or arguably even nothing left to lose, so we'll see. Thanks, Casper. Alyssa in Bakersfield writes to say... Another amazing episode in this amazing season. It seems like it's just getting better and better. For the first time in a long time, I'm finally excited about this show again. It always leaves me wanting more. This episode had everything. The return of Asta, Cody and Harrison, Deb finally revealing her love for Dexter, and LaGuerta getting even closer to finding out who the Butcher is. This has been the only season I can remember where I actually care about LaGuerta's storylines. It's so exciting to see her get closer and closer to the truth about her employee, who has had her and the rest of Miami Metro snowed for years and years. As much as I have always loved Dexter as a character, I think it's time for him to go down. He's making some really stupid decisions this season, and has become very unlikable. As for the Debster idea, I'm on board with it. I think that in the end, he will choose Deb over Hannah. Hannah is just a distraction for him. I don't think they will take it to the Dex-Deb couple level, but it would be nice to see Dexter to choose family over a stranger for once. I'm scared of what the next few episodes hold, because this season has been so good so far, I don't even know how they can top it. We've had so many twists and turns and shocks, starting from episode one, but since there's only one season left, pretty much anything can happen. Nobody is safe and the death count could be high. Let's all enjoy the ride. Thanks, Alyssa. You and Travis agree on the Dexter being more unlikable notion. You can make a good argument for it. I still think his judgment is definitely clouded at the moment. I'm just going to go with the flow and see what happens. And we can judge him at the end of the season. We can judge him more fairly, perhaps, when we have a broader feel for, for how things are going to... Uh, or, or how th when we when we know how things pan out. But it really would be nice to put or for Dexter to put his family commitments first, ahead of his own needs. And I also agree with you that everything is up in the air. Almost no one is safe. I'm certain we'll be losing a supporting character or two before the end of next year, if not sooner. And Quinn is still my bet to go this season. Hey guys, it's Matt from London here. I really hope I haven't missed the boat for this podcast, because um, this episode is one of the ones I actually enjoyed and was really looking forward to talking about. Um, a lot of stuff happened in this episode that was... 
fairly inevitable, um, refreshing, nice to see, um, you know, a little bit odd. You know, but first of all, um, it was pretty obvious that Isaac was gay. Um, probably a surprise for everyone, like, within the universe of the show, because, you know, I don't suppose it would be obvious, because they don't see what we've seen, you know, him looking at photos of the two of them in the Greek islands, but for the viewer, there was a sort of gellerish inevitability to it, but I'm not saying it was badly done, it, it was nice, and it's refreshing to have um, a gay character who is uh, classy, brutal, nasty, who is prepared to kill, and he's the villain, and he's not just, you know, um, a two-dimensional gay guy, so that, that's nice, and it's refreshing that he's not just an atypical villain. He's got facets. So that's, that's nice. And it was really nice to see the kids back as well, Astro and Cody, but uh, they were just really underused a little bit. I mean, I know that you, know, you can't really throw them back in and expect them to be you know, masses and masses of screen time, but I just, I, I just don't, I don't get why they were there. You know, other than the fact to remind Dexter that he had kids. You know, they didn't really provide much but it was great to see you know uh, the two characters growing up and changing but after being a little potted I'm not sure if I could buy that but whatever I'll let it pass I just hope we see them you know at least once more before the season's out because it kind of feels like they've been left sort of hanging so I wonder if they'll be back in the next episode or not I don't know um, and we finally had the lid blown on Beb's uh, love for her brother, Dexter's face in that scene was just brilliant. He just absolutely floored by it. And, you know, I couldn't believe that they just blurt it out like that. It, it was the way to do it, I think. You know, there's no other way to play that scene than it to come out in the middle of a big argument. But, um, you know, it was really well played. And, you know, once again, those two are just pulling out stunning jobs in every single scene they do. It's brilliant. I don't think I've seen acting like this from the two of them. You know, consistently fantastic whenever they get together. It's, it's fantastic. Um, what else can I say? I'm still believing Nadia to be a good character. I'm, I'm really not thinking that she's bad at all. I'd be surprised and really pissed off if she turns out to be duplicitous now. You know, but the pace is back up again, I think. You know, the, the show is sort of, after a couple of, sort of laggy episode, it seems to have racked itself back up, and I wonder if it's going to stay there, or is it going to dip a little bit and pick up. But all in all, the foundation's sort of set for a really great finale. I love the two of them, uh, Dexter and Isaac, that is, uh, chatting in the gay bar. You know, I thought the dialogue was great, the way they just sat nice and calmly and had a conversation about love. And You know, it was obvious why they'd had, you know, that specific conversation, but it was a great chat, and I can't wait to see the conversation that they have when Isaac is on the kill table, because that's going to be another interesting conversation. I don't think Isaac's going to be, um, you know, like Spelter, you know, lying on the table going, fuck, fuck. You know, I think he's going to be one of the few that actually has a decent chat, you know, kind of like him and Trinity. You know, so that, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this kill scene. Um, other than that, Hannah's still bugging me a little bit, but I'm still tolerating it. I'm just hoping that you know somebody takes care of her at some point in the season. Really looking forward to where they're going, and 
Texas should start taking notice of LaGuerta. She's getting closer. All right. See you later. Bye. Thanks very much, Matt. Good to hear you've calmed down from last week. (laughs) I totally agree with you about Isaac. The reveal to Dexter that he's gay was nicely handled and, unlike the Geller reveal last year, wasn't presented as an earth-shattering moment. It was just in there. After we'd have enough clues already to work it out for ourselves, but then we had the clues with Geller too. But then again, Geller being dead was a bit more significant to the plot than the fact that Isaac's gay. Although... That said, it does explain to Dexter why Isaac has taken Victor's death so personally. And you talk about the inevitable kill table for Isaac. I agree. I think Isaac will be pretty cool about it, really. Resigned to it. Because I think at that point he'll have had nothing left to lose. He, he's lost the love of his life. Lost the brotherhood he's worked for. He's wanted for murders. Where can he go? What can he do? Death won't be a massive fear for him, and I suppose in his line of work you accept that death could come at any time. It's a risk of being a mobster. And lastly, I completely agree with you about Jennifer and Michael's performances. Jennifer especially has been unbelievable. I think their marriage and how close they were in real life must lend itself to their on-screen chemistry. I wonder how strange it still feels between the actors, but... Regardless, their scenes together have been up there among the best ever on Dexter. Deanna from Alberta, Canada emailed this week and she talked about loving the season, enjoying the bar scene between Dexter and Isaac, noting how perfectly cast Ray Stevenson is. But she asks a question about LaGuerta and I quote Deanna here. She says, where is LaGuerta going with her investigation? I thought back in season two, Special Agent Lundy had already looked into the boat connection. I seem to recall half of the force had boats at that particular dock because it was one of the more affordable ones around. They put up surveillance which Dexter had to erase to hide his activities. Did I miss what sent LaGuerta there in the first place? Certainly the clerk mentioning the cancellation has raised more red flags for LaGuerta. Um, honestly, Diana, I think LaGuerta had that list of names, didn't she? Um, some had ticks next to them. Maybe these were the ones who owned boats. But as I said in the review, Dexter's name suddenly leapt out of the page at her and grabbed her by the nose. I I think she probably had a kind of light bulb eureka moment, remembering the problems back then between Dokes and Dexter, and gave her a sudden sense of focus, which is leading her to now concentrate on Dexter. Thanks, Deanna. Sandy in Ireland emailed to say, The theory of Hannah being pregnant is still on my mind. How ironic that a life could have been conceived on his death table. I like that moment between Dexter and Deborah talking about child-proofing the house. A bit of comedy is always welcome. Shortly after, we had a scene with Masuka and his laugh. You've got to get him on your podcast at some stage. Did you see Dexter's eyes just before he killed the assassin? It was like we could see the dark passenger. I'm enjoying LaGuerta this year. Her doubts with Dexter is a very good slow burner, and I think that it's bringing the season back on track. Don't we all love it when Dexter's in danger? Dexter the dodgy daddy, eh? No more can I say that. Thanks to the writers for showing us a few scenes of family time. Maybe the writers listen to your feedback. Things are getting sweet between Dexter and Hannah, this not seeing each other. Plus, he didn't shun her or move her on quickly at the beach. Maybe this is love. 
slight bad point of this episode was the moment things got stupid. Deb admitting she's in love with him. Maybe the fact it's out there now might somehow be an end to it. Your podcast with Heath and the man whose name escapes me was good if I can be cheeky and request another session with two or three episodes to go to discuss possible endings. Thanks, Sandy. Um, that's Travis you've forgotten. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> Even with his four-letter rant. <laughs> the calls with guests, I, I do find them a lot of fun. I, I love doing them, but I appreciate the format. doesn't necessarily always appeal to everybody, so I will keep them as occasional podcasts rather than a regular thing. I do plan to have another at the end of the season, though, so something to look forward to there. I'm glad you're letting Dexter off the hook a bit over being a dodgy dad. It really was refreshing to see him spending time with the kids at the beach, but I can't say he's redeemed himself in my eyes. He's got a long way to go there, but it was good to see this week, and he did seem relaxed and not chomping at the bit to leave, so, so let's be thankful for that. About Deb's declaration... I don't know if that's an end to it, but she did put it in the past tense and emphasise she was in love with him, so maybe that's that. It, I guess it depends where they take the relationship from here, though. Thanks, Sandy. And from Ireland, we now travel to Sweden to hear from Hampus, who has emailed in again to say, My gut feeling after this week's episode was a little bit better than the past few episodes, but, and this is a big but, the Deborah in love with Dexter love story once again left me feeling a bit upset. I know you brought this up before the season, and I hate to repeat what you guys said, but this whole storyline just isn't believable. Deborah and Dexter, although not blood-related, are really close to each other. That the thought would even pop into Deborah's brain after being in a brother-sister relationship for so many years just doesn't work for me at all. So, now that I got that out of the way, I just have to say that overall this episode was a step in the right direction. We got a little bit more Dexter Isaac this week, and let's face it, that's the best storyline right now. Both the scene with Isaac mocking Dexter from the sofa, and especially the scene in the gay bar, are right up there with the best Trinity scenes. Just one theory for the last couple of episodes. This might be a wild one, but I just thought that now when Dexter told Hannah that Isaac is after him, there might be a little bit of Hannah-Isaac collaboration coming up. The ultimate betrayal by Hannah sending Dexter into some kind of a trap to let Isaac have Dexter for himself and kill him the way he wants to in exchange for a large sum of money from Isaac. If something like this happens, I also think that Deborah will come to save the day and probably shoot Isaac and wrestle Hannah so that Dexter can have her on his table at the last episode, a tearful goodbye before he puts his knife in her. That's all. Overall, an OK episode, but I'm really hoping that they can tie this whole thing together and get rid of this love story crap in a smooth way. Hoping to send in a voicemail next week if I can get my swinglish working. I suspect there'll be a lot to talk about next time. Thanks, Hampus. That's a bold prediction there, about Hannah teaming with Isaac. I do have to say, though, honestly, in my opinion, I, I can't see it happening. We've... We've had no indication that Hannah's driven by money, and so far, her behaviour has given no hint for me that she has a secret agenda with being close to Dexter. She made him breakfast this week. If she'd wanted rid of Dexter, she could have poisoned him. Thanks for the theory, though. Keep them coming. I look forward to a voicemail next time, maybe. But don't worry if you don't have time. <laughs> An email is, uh, is always good. Hi, Gareth. This is Chester from California. Um, big fan of the show, and just had a couple thoughts about the episode. I 
I really enjoyed this one. I liked uh, everything about Isaac and Dexter in the bar. That was just fantastic. Really one of the best scenes the show has ever done. I think Ray Stevenson has started to edge out John Lithgow for me for my favorite Dexter guest character, and that's a, that's a tall order. I hope they can somehow keep him around for next season, or at least allow him to stay alive as kind of a lingering threat. It would be great to see him disappear for a while and maybe pop up at some point next season because I don't see how for the final season they're going to be able to top uh, Stevenson as a big bad unless uh, unless maybe somehow um, you know Gus Fring from Breaking Bad wants to move to Miami. I don't know if they can really do anything to top that. Um, I really, really wanted to just groan when I saw that Depth, when uh, Dexter, no, sorry, when Deb went there and, and brought up the whole incest thing again, but, but I couldn't because Carpenter was just too damn good. I still stand by my opposition to that plot line, but, but after watching that scene, I, I, I think I can resign myself to it. I mean, I guess I'm going to have to. Um, but if I can accept that Dexter is a, is a serial killer who, who kills ser- serial killers with a mortal code, I guess I can accept that his emotionally unbalanced sister, um, who's had so many problems and traumas in her life, could develop incestuous feelings for the only steady male figure in her life. Um, that said, they'd better not sleep together. That would be going a little bit or a lot too far. Hopefully it's there just as a, an, emotional, um, um, an emotional plot line or, or uh, something of that sort. Um, I, I thought of you when I saw Aster and Cody. I'm guessing that you were that you were excited to see them. I know that you're you're a big fan. Maybe that'll take away some of the some of your grief over over Lewis. Um, my one major nitpick of the episode was uh, was the scene in the donut shop, and, and I'm thinking Travis Travis has a, a pretty good eye for this type of thing, so maybe he touched on it. But but this drive-by shooting comes by. Um, shoots up the donut shop. There's glass everywhere. There's donuts everywhere. I mean, a drive-by shooting goes by. Shoots up a shop in the the business district of Miami, and what, what seemed to be on a morning on a weekday, and you know, almost kills a customer. And the uh, the owner comes out and treats it as if it's a prank by a bunch of teenagers. Um, that that was a um, that was a little bit. A little bit too absurd for me, um, and <laughs> kind of took me out of out of the show. But but um, but yeah, that was that was a little bit a little bit crazy. Um, but I think the main topic I want to talk about is, is La Guerta, and I think it's really I love the way they've they've done this as a plot that's been lingering in the background. Um, she's in a really tough spot, and I haven't seen it discussed that much in in other reviews. Um, even if LaGuerta has figured out or does figure out that Dexter is likely the Bay Harbor but, uh, the, the Bay Harbor butcher, she still needs concrete evidence to connect him to those murders. And the evidence has to be more convincing than the fact that the blood slides were found in Dokes' car. Um, and I don't see where she gets this, this evidence because uh, all the bodies were destroyed in that cooler, quote, accident, unquote, in season two when Dexter destroyed the, the place where all the, the bodies that were found were being um, held. Um, and I can't imagine there are any traces of DNA left on, in, on Dexter's boat or in his house or any place like that. Um, it's just too much time has passed. 
So, which means that if she wants concrete evidence, she's going to have to something anything that's going to hold up in court. Um, she's going to have to officially reopen the case and get stuff on the books. She's going to have to start getting warrants, which I don't see how she'd be able to get warrants based upon the circumstantial evidence on a case that's already been closed. Um, but how would she go about having to open up the case again if she's got the uh, um, the lieutenant, her lieutenant is the sister of of the of of the, uh, the, the her own blood spatter analyst? Um, it's a big mess. Thanks, Chester, uh, who did get cut off at the end there. The voicemail line has a five minute limit for messages, but it's always nice to hear from people for the first time. Chester, you're feeling that Ray Stevenson is edging out John Lithgow as the best ever big bad. I really do think Stevenson deserves a lot of credit for bringing his A-game to the show. And in that bar scene, matching, if not outperforming, Michael C. Hall. Who'd have thunk it? Of course, John Lithgow was phenomenal in season four. I don't think there's anyone who thinks otherwise. Whether you rank Isaac over Trinity, I guess it's down to personal opinion. But let's see where Isaac's story finishes up and what his impact on the show ends up being. Will his legacy be as big as Trinity's was? You make a good point about the donut shooting. The owner did take it pretty calmly, didn't he? Obviously, he won't have known it was an attempted hit on one of his customers. With LaGuerta, I'm not sure if she's thinking that she can convict someone else as the Bay Harbour Butcher, but I do think her first priority is simply to clear the name of James Dokes. You're right, what physical evidence will still exist to convince someone else? Well, there can't be much, if any. Perhaps that's what she's thinking, as she was standing next to Dexter's boat at the end this week. Perhaps if she got enough to get a warrant, they can give the boat a good going over, but we know Dexter, he's a very neat monster. Chester did send up a follow-up voicemail in which he elaborated further on this and how LaGuerta really has a tough job here because to get a warrant or anything like that, she has to reveal her hand by publicly reopening the case, something Deb would have to be privy to. Chester said how it could turn into a massive mess for the department and risk her own career in the process, and we all know how much her career means to her. Chester also men mentioned uh, Tom Matthews, if you remember him. He did become chief last season, but then lost his job, if you remember. But maybe this will be a way to get him back on the show. Have LaGuerta consult him about his suspicions. Maybe Matthews will be more helpful now he doesn't have his own career to protect. Thanks, Chester. On to an email from Mike Lanich, who has the following. They finally brought back the storyline that a fair part of the Dexter fanbase hoped would fade away. Yes, that one. The Deb Dex love story. Sadly, the word game changer is used much too often in television these days. But the handful of times that it's been connected to Dexter has been spot on. Regardless of whether you love, hate or simply don't care either way, there is no denying that this revealing of Deb's feelings changes things tremendously. My own feelings towards this whole storyline since last season has been a mixture really. It certainly adds a level of pathos to Deb. But like you, Gareth, I never felt it was a necessary storyline for the continuing journey of these two characters. With that being said, at this point, my feelings are more a shrug of the shoulders. I don't really love it, but I don't hate it either. At this point, I've accepted that it's part of the storyline, and I'll see how it plays out in the end. 
I will give kudos to the writers in that they're at least following through with the controversial storyline rather than bury it like they have so many characters and storylines in the past. And I'll jump in here, Mike, with a comment. I think I'm at the same place as you over Deb's feelings. It's a shrug of the shoulders, really. But when she brought it up this week, I did understand more why the writers took her that way. It really did have a far greater impact, a, a greater emotional impact on her, finding out that Dexter's sleeping with the woman she just told him to kill. All together now, poor Deb. <laughs> Back to Mike, who goes on to say, Something that did win me over during that scene of confession was the excellent writing and a performance by JC that ranks as possibly her very best acting, which in my opinion is saying something. The half-hysterical sobbing, knowing I'm fucking crazy, laughing and genuine raw emotion recalls a scene in the movie Unfaithful, starring Diane Lane from 2002. In that movie, after spontaneously cheating on her husband, her character in a single shot is on a train, and for at least a full minute you get to see that vast array of emotions on her face. Guilt, joy, self-loathing, pain, confusion. This scene immediately recalled that for me. Maybe JC saw that movie before and used that scene as preparation. Her acting was, in my opinion, the best of anyone so far this season. I don't know about you, but if JC doesn't get an Emmy this year for her acting, then there is no justice and the rewards are a sham. Which they kind of are anyway, but she deserves it. She should have a few nominations already under her belt. Hopefully this year she can get the kind of recognition she, she so rightly deserves. Yes, Mike, I completely agree with you. Can we all say, hear, hear? <laughs> and you're right about that, that moment from the film Unfaithful. I, I, I've seen the film myself, and uh, yeah, great acting there from Diane Lane. Without saying a word, she conveys such a, uh, a plethora of emotions. Um, and maybe D uh, Jennifer Carpenter did channel a bit of that uh, here. But I think it's fair to say, after so many years playing Deborah Morgan... Uh, Jennifer has a very good handle on, on the character and how she responds to different situations and uh, she measured that performance there so well anyway Mike continues to say like the innocuous pen that turned out to be Sal Price's demise Argentina which until now was a place that Hannah and Wayne were headed to years ago has been transformed into a mirage that doesn't exist you can call it the land of milk and honey Eden, Shangri-La, or Never Never Land, but it's that place that Hannah has been chasing since she was 15. And why she still keeps that Argentina calendar from 1996, a search for something that doesn't exist and may never be. But Hannah isn't the only person chasing their own personal Argentina. Dexter is doing the same. Against his own instincts and logic, he's turned ever more selfish these days by brushing aside his real family in Deb, Harrison, Astor, Cody and to some extension, Jamie. I'm guessing that at some point the chemicals in their chemistry will combust and the mirage of his own Argentina will disappear while he reaches towards something that seems so real. Batista seems to be going forward with his restaurant, which is now officially his Argentina. I don't know how this is going to play out, so I don't have much to say on this at the moment, but relegating David Zayas to delivering pub food during scenes is a travesty. On the Nadia Quinn relationship... How long has it been since Deb dumped him? I'd guess it has to be less than three months. At the very most, all Quinn wants, in my opinion, is to settle down. Nadia represents the opposite of Deb. She's much softer, more agreeable and loving. 
It provides Quinn with someone he can find his Argentina with. Isaac's Eden was destroyed when Victor was killed, and the scene with Dexter was another standout in what is now neck and, de neck, and neck in writing, acting, and subtle messages, along with the Dex Deb scenes this season. Ray Stevenson is quietly climbing very, very high on the list of all-time great Dexter villains. That he's on a par with Michael C. Hall is an amazing thing to see. Not many actors can match his ability and charisma. Finally, we get to see Astor and Cody again. You remember them, right? We saw Astor midway through Season 5, but Cody hasn't been around since Episode 1 of Season 5, making it nearly three years. Boy, has he grown, and he's got acne. Astor, meanwhile, is becoming quite the beautiful young woman, but at 15, the rigours of academics and life in general have led to smoking pot. Christina Robinson's acting seems much more natural than in seasons past here. Good work from her. Was it just me, or did the smoke at the end of the episode from the joints that she and Deb shared seem fake? I immediately thought it was CG smoke. Maybe this was due to strict rules with minors and smoking, etc. Well, despite whatever your feelings are about the Deb storyline this episode, there's no denying the power of that scene and this episode in general. This was an amazingly paced episode with great acting all round, even from the kids. The inclusion of Astor and Cody shows what this show is missing when they're not around. They really add something to the dynamic of the show. I hope, I hope we get more of them in future. If I had to grade this episode, I'd give it 9.5 out of 10. I wanted to say hi to Travis, and keep up doing your own award-winning calibre work there, Gareth. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mike. Totally agree with you about David Zayas. I hope this isn't the first nail in Batista's coffin, and for now, it really is a waste of both Zayas and the character. As for Quinn... I guess like with Dexter, we never know in life when love will come along, and that Quinn's apparently fallen for Nadia so soon after proposing to Deb, it's not beyond the realms of plausibility. And about the kids, I don't mind them coming back. I know they provide additional um, vulnerable spots for Isaac to potentially, uh, potentially exploit, but I just hope we don't get too much of teenage bickering and whining. I, I just can't be doing with that. <laughs> Lastly, an email from Charles Rios in Pasadena. He says, Like most Dexter fans, I thought the first four episodes were amazing. So suspenseful and intense. I wondered how they were going to keep up the pace. Then came episodes five and six. I figured they'd have to slow it down a little, but that didn't bother me. After the kill table sex scene, I thought, Oh no, did Dexter just jump the shark? However, after episodes 7 and 8, I started looking at Dexter differently. Actually, I remembered that I used to think of Dexter as a very dark comedy. Up through season 4, Dexter had a wicked sense of humour that fell by the wayside in season 5 and 6. Maybe that's why many hardcore Dexter fans, including myself, had problems with seasons 5 and 6. Although, I kind of enjoyed season 5 and didn't think it was all that bad. Season 6, on the other hand, was the weakest season of the entire run. I feel that by changing the way I thought about Dexter, it made me like the way the season's shaping up. In chemistry, when Sal Price dropped dead in Dexter's apartment, it was shocking and made me gasp, and then made me chuckle. Totally unexpected and pretty funny if you think about it. Also, the ending with Deb giving Dexter her blessing to kill Hannah while he's lying next to her. To me, I thought that was very comedic. That's when I forgave the kill table sex scene and started going along for the ride. The comedy continued in Argentina, with Dexter being shot at in the donut shop. 
For some reason, that scene just made me smile. And during the final montage, when Deb takes the joint from Asta takes, and takes a hit, I found that brief shot pretty amusing. And I love the conversation between Isaac and Dexter in the gay bar. As a gay man myself, I welcome gay characters in my favourite shows, as long as they're interesting and not stereotypical. Isaac is a badass, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this storyline plays out. Here are my thoughts for the rest of the season. I think Isaac's, the Isaac storyline will wrap up by episode 9 or 10. The last two episodes will be LaGuerta finding out about Dexter, and the season will end with Dex and Deb having a showdown with her. Something bad will happen to either Batista or Quinn, and I can also see a Deb-Hannah confrontation as well. Whatever happens, I'm glad Dexter has got its mojo back, and I can't wait to see how this season ends. Thanks very much, Charles. Another first-time contributor, and you're very welcome. Um, you're right about Dexter having always had that dark undercurrent of humour. Although I must confess you're finding more humour uh, in some of these situations than I have. Um, but that said, the season certainly hasn't been out without its laugh-out-loud moments for me. And I suppose we all find humour in different places, so, you know, that's OK. With Sal Price's death, Dexter's reaction was quite amusing. The shooting in the donut shop, it wasn't humour that jumped at me, it was Isaac's lousy aim. <laughs> but then he was using a silenced pistol, maybe it was all he had access to, but surely a longer barrelled weapon would have had better range and accuracy. Your comment about Isaac as a gay character. Matt supported the handling of this in his voicemail earlier, and I agree, Isaac is so not a gay stereotype, and that's brilliant. He really is badass. Actually... If you like gay badasses, <laughs> sounds, sounds funny to say that out loud, um, but if you do, and who wouldn't, check out John Connolly's novels. There are two homosexual characters in that. Uh, what are they called? Louis and, or Lewis and Angel. Actually, that's funny, isn't it? Lewis and Angel. Two Dexter characters. Anyway, that's just, that's just jumped out at me. Um. So yeah, these guys are, are hitmen who help out the main character in many of the books, and, and they're brilliant. Really well-written books as well. Uh, you can get the novels as audiobooks, actually, at audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Uh, if you go over there and sign up for a free trial, you can get a free audiobook download. Uh, and why not try one of the John Connolly novels? I did mention his books a while back when I was plugging the sponsor. Um, crime stories with a supernatural twist, but... Of course, typical for me, I digress. <laughs> and please forgive the shameless plug for Audible. Thanks, Charles. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. The listener lines in the US, it's 646-222-6122. In the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And you enter mailbox ID 08320. There's good old-fashioned email, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, and that is at Gareth underscore UK. There's also the Facebook page. If you go onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it. Hey, Gareth, Change Batista. How are you, man? This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. 
Audible.com is one of the leading online purveyors of audio content, with a catalogue of over 100,000 titles, encompassing just about any subject you can possibly imagine, whether it's fiction or non-fiction. And they are offering listeners of Dissecting Dexter a free audiobook download. You can choose anything. All you have to do is visit www.audibletrial.com forward slash Dexter. Sign up for a free, no-obligation, one-month trial, and you can get your audiobook. And in doing so, I get a small kit back, so you'll be supporting the podcast and helping me, helping me out a little bit. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is episode 9 of season 7, entitled Helter Skelter. Now, once again, I'm really pressed for time as I'm recording this, so this will be brief, but the title suggests to me something coming spiralling down, something crashing back down to earth. Could it be Dexter's blissful feeling with Hannah? That would be pretty soon after they've spent all this time, or, what, a third of the season, maybe more, building it up? Also, I didn't like the way LaGuerta was eyeing up Dexter's boat. I'm sure we'll pick that up next week and maybe she'll end up getting to the stage where she needs to enlist the help of someone else she can't go to deb when she suspects dexter so maybe your predictions will come to fruition and she'll speak to quinn she knows he and dexter have a history of course quinn owes his career to dexter after he helped him with the stan liddy thing in season five but then again if he hears dexter could be the bay harbor butcher well, it could be too big a thing for him not to help with. But as always, this is all idle speculation and not based on any spoilers or previews for next week, so I could be completely wrong, and probably am. OK, that's it for this week. Join me again next week as we dissect the first episode of the final act of the penultimate season of Dexter. And I think you have to agree that things are very nicely poised, aren't they, as we enter the home straight of the season. It's, uh, it's good. It's going to be good. Come along. <laughs> Come along with us. Come on. Enjoy the ride. So, until we dissect some more Dexter again next week, thanks very much for listening, and I'll speak to you soon. <laughs>